Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together and share in this time of worship. Thank you for each one that is here. And I pray that you would continue to minister to our hearts through the preaching of your word. Bless Brother Tom in a special way. Give him unction, give him strength, give him clarity. And pray that our hearts would be open, ready to receive, ready to hear, and to learn and to grow. Commit this time to you praying in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The rest of you make me see the blessings. Good morning and greetings in the name of Christ and also greetings from Hartville. It's a kind of a privilege and an honor to be here with you this morning. Um, you know, in your beautiful Northwoods country, you know, I think it has a culture all its own. It seems to be a little bit closer to the North Pole. But, uh, you know, my daughter-in-law, not Leanne, but another one, uh, when she moved from South Carolina to Ohio, she said, oh, you guys are so close to the North Pole, but I think this is a little bit closer. Um, and also, you know, as I was listening yesterday, occasionally there's some conversations. The question was asked, are you going to the ice tonight? And uh, I discovered that wasn't that a husband was going to buy ice for his wife, but that was going to a hockey game. So we don't ask that question in Ohio because we don't have much hockey playing. A little, not too much. And also, I feel kind of out of place, actually, you know, being that your ministers are all here this morning now instead of not being here. And... You know, when I told our congregation at home that I'll be going to Wisconsin because their ministers are going to go to a cabin somewhere for the weekend, and I told them, you know what, that sounds like a wonderful idea. <laughs> I'm not sure if they'll take the hint, but uh, uh, anyhow, and I asked them also to pray for me as I come. But you know, I... You know, I think Todd Miller is probably at least uh, part of the reason I'm here. Um, you would say, well, no, that was Jesse that asked me to come. Well, it was, but that's kind of a long story, but uh, a number of years ago, uh, you know, as a father and the spiritual leader in the home, uh, I called up here, you know, to see how Todd felt about Leanne. And he told my brother-in-law that he put in a good word for Leanne. And so here we are. Uh, Jesse and Leanne live here. And... Uh, it's a nice place to come. And so for the, actually for the young girls, you know, I think your bishop has your best 
interests in mind. So uh, if anybody calls, I'm sure he'll do the same. And as it was, uh, you know, debating on what I should share on this morning, uh, kind of teetering between two, and actually a last year, I was giving messages on the Ten Commandments, and one of them was on the Eighth Commandment, and that was on Thou Shalt Not Steal. And I thought, you know what, maybe I'll share that. My wife says, Tom, they don't need that message up here. They don't steal up here. And I was going to include, you know, uh, much more than just actually stealing, but, uh, you know, stealing time, stealing from God. You know, uh, in Malachi, he said, you ask a question, will a man rob God? I said, you've robbed me. This whole nation has. You know, in tithes and offering, you've kept back. And there's much more than just even that, as you look at that commandment. But, you know, as I was... In town yesterday, last night, and then uh, Marlon was just saying that, you know, they have their shop unlocked in the back. Uh, they have, you know, things in front of the shop, uh, you know, not tied down, no security cameras, or I think they have one. But he said, you know, nobody steals nothing around here. So I thought, well, you know what, I don't think they need it after all. So, but in Ohio, they do steal. Even a, one Sunday morning, about a year ago, my truck disappeared. It was stolen. You know, I left my keys in it while we were in church. And here, a former church member stole it. And took it down to southern Ohio. And other things happened as well. Uh, many other things. In a Liberia, they stole two. They would uh, grease their naked bodies. That way they could slip away you know, out of the grasp of uh, a security guard or something. Those that tried to catch them. And our security guards there said they would... You know, sharpen their machettes on the concrete, you know, just rubbing them. That way, on the outside of the wall and outside of the gate, you know, any would-be thieves could hear them and think twice before climbing over the wall. But instead of sharing about that, I decided to share a few thoughts on bitterness and was blessed, actually, with a message that um, Anthony Miller from North Carolina had shared in uh, a church there in Ohio. And maybe you don't need that here either, but I think all of us you know, need to be on guard of bitterness. You know, bitterness is defined as anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. 
And how many of you have ever been treated unfairly? Anyone? Of course. And probably all of you. You know, when you're offended and disappointed by others and allow the hurt to germinate in your heart, you know, bitterness and resentment take root. You know, bitterness follows those hurts and those wrongs and those offenses. And uh, it becomes, a lot of times it becomes a root that lies underneath the surface and you can't always see it. And maybe we don't even think that we have any bitterness in our heart, in our life. And it can keep spreading, you know, as we think about it uh, and feed it. It can become a large network, you know, having your life in its grip. You know, maybe sending up small shoots every once in a while. And you can see uh, where it's growing. And Anthony Miller, you know, just shared that in the South, uh, in North Carolina and most of the South there, they, uh, someone had imported a kudzu plant and, uh, somehow this just grew and grew. It had a massive network of a root system and, uh, some people call it the plant that ate the South. And it's become, many places have become overgrown and uh, covered with this plant. And that's the way that, you know, that bitterness can be. You know, in Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15, uh, says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. You know, follow peace with all men, with all people. And being very careful because if you don't follow peace, bitterness can start to grow. You know, follow peace, you know, pursue it. Don't just, it doesn't say that, um, you know, be peace lovers. You know, everybody I think loves peace. But they like it on their own terms. Um, It doesn't just say be peaceable either. You know, just be, uh, uh, you know, unruffled and, and actually not doing anything about it, maybe. You know, laid back. Uh, that's not what it's saying either. But it says follow peace. You know, pursue it. Um, go after it. Be a peacemaker. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say, blessed are the peace lovers, blessed are the peaceable, but the peacemakers. And there's a difference. I think there is a big difference. And I think we need to be on guard 
on bitterness. If we don't follow peace, it will come. You know, I think bitterness comes from, you know, either real or imagined uh, wrong, hurts and wounds, you know, that we have sustained from others. And oftentimes, I think it comes from, you know, those that are closest to us. Uh, you know, we've become wounded, I believe, in the fight. And it could be brothers, it could be sisters, or parents, or children, or husband, or wife, or church members, maybe even just the whole Amish Mennonite um, society. I know people become bitter at, you know, the Anabaptists. It could be about money, about inheritance. You know, we didn't get our fair share of it. Um, maybe we loaned money to a friend and it's not coming back and they don't seem like they're concerned and that maybe it was 10 years ago and it's just they haven't made any effort. Do we become bitter? Maybe I lost my job. You know, I wasn't thought of as qualified or good enough. And that's what happened in our church. Now, a man, a brother, lost his job because he wasn't doing a good enough job. And he felt very bad about it. Maybe a friend said unkind things. You know, maybe things that are true and maybe things that were untrue. Um... And maybe we become bitter because our counsel doesn't seem to ever be accepted, you know, in the church. Um, and it could be on either end of the spectrum, like either the uh, most conservative or some would say traditional, or the most liberal. And some would like to use the term progressive. But, you know, the few that are on the upper end and the few that are on the lower end, you know, you get the feeling that, you know what? You know, say the most conservative. Or let's say the most liberal. Uh, would say, you know, our voice is just not heard. And uh, the middle of the church always, you know, swings to the most conservative. And, you know, and we could become bitter because of that. I think, you know, churches need to be careful, you know, to work together on a lot of those issues. Maybe just giving a few Bible examples. Uh, of bitterness. Uh, you know, we look at Cain and Abel, and Cain became bitter because God had respect unto his brother's offering. 
and blessed it, but not to his. And uh, so Cain became angry and killed his brother. You know, as we look at Jacob and Esau, where um, they were actually uh, twins, but Esau was the oldest. And so Esau actually uh, was to get the birthright, which was a double portion of the inheritance. And uh, then he was tricked, or I don't know if you should say he was tricked. He was talked out of that uh, inheritance, uh, that birthright, by his brother Jacob. You know, Jacob, you know, Esau was very hungry when he came home from hunting. So he wanted something to eat, and Jacob said, well, if you give me your birthright, I'll give you, you know, something to eat. And so he said, go ahead, I mean, yeah, you can have the birthright, just give me something to eat. And then when uh, Isaac wanted to bless Esau, his oldest, his firstborn, then... Rebecca and Jacob tricked their father. And when Esau found out, it says he cried with a loud and bitter cry. Uh, bitterness. Because of what happened, he was treated unfairly and wrong. And yet it was God's plan as well. Then we look at Hezekiah. And as Isaiah came and told him, he said, you know, set your house in order. We're going to die and not live. And it says he turned his face to the wall and wept bitterly. And I think sometimes, you know, I don't know, was Hezekiah bitter against God? You know, I think that's something that can happen. Um, you know, if we have a sickness, a terminal illness, or a tragic accident happens, or whatever it might be, you know, it's so easy to blame God and become bitter at God. And maybe Hezekiah, that was his bitterness. He wept bitterly. But then God heard him and extended his life for 15 years. He added to his life. Then also in something about Isaiah in Ezekiel, you know, a man of God, 
it says that the Spirit lifted me up in Ezekiel 3.14 and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And we think of the uh, the anger and probably the bitterness of the older brother, you know, the um, prodigal son that took his inheritance, he wasted it in ungodly living and uh, came back and repented. And the father had a feast prepared for him and was rejoicing because of his son returning. But the elder son, when he heard all the commotion, became angry and would not come in. And he was a man that was faithful, probably, we would say a man of God, a, a Christian, a staunch. I mean, he did everything that he was supposed to do. And here he wasn't treated fairly, he thought, and became bitter. Also, we think of an example that was an outstanding example, and that of Joseph. Uh, you know, he was sold uh, into Egypt. Actually, his brothers were going to kill him, and they decided, well, you know what, let's not kill him, let's just sell him into Egypt. And uh, they did. And uh, then, when he was in Egypt, he worked for Potiphar, and he was Falsely accused, thrown into prison. Uh, and there he served in the prison. And when uh, the butler and the baker both had dreams, you know, he interpreted the dreams for them. And I'm not sure which was which anymore, but uh, one of them, I think it was uh, the butler, though I'm not positive. Anyhow, one of them's dream was that he was going to be restored to his uh, position with the king, and he was. And but and uh, Joseph told him, you know, when you go back into your position with the king, to remember me and you know bring my name before the king to you know get me out of this prison, and he forgot. And then when. Uh, I actually did remember when the king had a dream and didn't know what the interpretation was. So he said, you know, this man in prison interpreted my dream and it was correct. But it's a long story. But anyhow, when his brothers came to buy food um, in Egypt... And they were made known unto Joseph. And Joseph was made known unto them. They were terrified. They said, you know what? Joseph is going to require of us all the evil that we did to him. And uh, 
Joseph told him, don't be afraid, don't worry. said, it wasn't you that did it. It was God. God brought me here to save, you know, my whole family alive. And so they accepted it. But, you know, when their father died, they said again among themselves, you know what? Joseph, now that our father's dead, is going to require, you know, justice. Now that our father's dead and won't protect him. And again he told him, no, it wasn't you that did it. It was God. You know, God was in charge. And I think in the same way, you know, to forgive is one of the most important aspects in getting rid of bitterness. He forgave them and he attributed to God being in control of all those circumstances and didn't hold them accountable. And so when somebody does something you know, to us, you know, I believe if we take Joseph's pattern, you know, we forgive them, but we also, we don't hold them accountable. This was God that used this brother to do this. Um, will go a long way. And also just following the verse in Hebrews, where it says, follow peace with all men. You know, you make the first move. If you don't, bitterness can set in. Then we also see uh, Simon the sorcerer, where um, I think it was Peter that said, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. You know, there was a power that he wanted to give the Holy Spirit that others had. And because of jealousy and so on, he was bitter. And I don't know if he even knew he was bitter, but um, was it Peter that told him that? You know, perceived it and noticed it. And bitterness, I believe that bitterness is sin. I don't just believe it, but bitterness is sin. Uh, and maybe, you know, I'm not saying that any of you in here are bitter, but it's something I believe that all of us need to be careful and to work with. Uh, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you, from you. You know, let bitterness be put away. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So I think, and the way to deal with bitterness is to follow this example, is to forgive. And even follow Christ's example, uh, as Christ forgave. And where it says in First Peter 2, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he instructed 
entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And even went a step further. You know, he didn't retaliate. He uh, wasn't just passive about it. But uh, he forgave. You know, as, even as Christ forgave, so also do ye. And uh, went even further than that. He asked his father to forgive them as well. And that's what uh, Stephen, the martyr, did. It says, you know, Christ said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Stephen said, uh, you know, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Not only forgiving them, but asking God to forgive them. I believe that's something we need to do to be able to overcome bitterness. And cheerfulness, I believe, uh, enters in as well. You know, you can't be bitter and cheerful at the same time. And a lot of these things are a tall order, actually, to do. Uh, Romans twelve fourteen to 21 says, You know, bless them which persecute you. Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. You know, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And the thought is too, you know, if you don't forgive, uh, not only, you know, will bitterness set in, but also neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you. Uh, it's just that simple. If we want forgiveness, then we need to forgive. In Proverbs 15.1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Also, one about a woman, uh, that is Naomi. And what does... You know, Naomi went with her husband into Moab, and there her husband died. And actually, her two sons had married, and both of them died. And so, she went back to uh, Israel then, because she heard there was no famine in Israel anymore. And they said, oh, here comes Naomi. And she said, what? Don't call me Naomi, but call me what? Right. Okay. And what does Naomi mean? What's the interpretation of Naomi? Pleasant. And Mara is bitter. Yeah. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. It was God that did that. And I believe she knew that, and yet it made her bitter. What does it do to us? 
Um, you know, sometimes we think, you know, that God has uh, you know, just given us a bad shaken life. And yet if we accept it like Joseph did, that is pleasing, I believe, to God. And just accepting it as you know, God's leading. Uh, don't let you know the bad things make you bitter, but to make you better. One uh, illustration I like to use as well is that of, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name right, but Nick Vujicic, you know, the man born without limbs. Um, you know, when he was uh, young, you know, he didn't have any arms, no legs. Uh, it says, you know, when he was young, maybe seven and so, you know, he would pray every night, said, Lord, you know, give me arms and legs like everyone else. And his dad was a, an evangelist or a pastor at least. And, um, and had taught him, you know, that God answers prayer, you know, if we believe in faith and so on. And so he believed, you know, the next morning he would wake up and he would have arms and legs. But it, it never happened. And eventually he became bitter. And then as time went on, he just accepted it. And even beyond that, he said he thanked God for giving him the body that he has. How could we do that? You know, could he have a wife? If he did, he couldn't put his arms around his wife or even around his children. He couldn't hold their hand um, like a normal father would. And yet, he thanked God for that bond he gave him. What are we doing? You know, someone has said that pain and suffering are inevitable, but misery is optional. You know, we all are going to have some pain and suffering. That's inevitable. But to be misery, have misery in it, to be, have bitterness and self-pity, and to be angry at God, and angry at others, you know, that's optional. We can choose to accept it as God's will. Shall we kneel for the prayer at this time? Heavenly Father, as we come before you again here this morning, we just want to thank you for being an almighty and all-knowing and all-wise God and directing our lives as you see best, that nothing that you do is a mistake, that you are too wise to be mistaken and too good to be unkind. And so, we want to accept whatever that you give to us and rejoice in being one of your children. We pray you might just bless the congregation here. Um, Direct them in their walk of life, that there might be a light and a blessing to the community.
And even as they have been, and ministering to those that are about them, that others might see that truly, that these are children of God. We uh, just want to commit them into your hands, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.